a Radio 191 FM podcast. Right now I'm joined by Professor Chris Brickle uh, from the uh, Gender Studies Department here in Otipoti, uh, well here at the Taiko Muse- uh, University, I'm sponsored by the museum, so I always say museum Chris, I apologise for that, but yeah, you don't work at the museum, you work here at the University of Otago. Morena to you. Good morning. How are we today, sir? Very good. Nice to be here. Marvellous. It's lovely to have you here. Uh, what well, we're talking about uh, your book, Queer Objects. What is, the, what, what is the book? What is it about, essentially? Is, is there an overarching ethos to it? Yeah, the book's basically about the role of things in mm-hmm. queer life. Mm-hmm. Some of them are obviously queer things, mm-hmm. like posters and placards and stuff, and others are things that are everyday things, like a telephone that yeah. you know plays an important part in queer life. So it's about things, really. Yeah, Material about... culture. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I mean... Um, <laughs> History can be told through objects. Yeah. You know, um, and objects um, can mean different things to different people, and historical objects can as well. Um, so, I mean, uh, there's so much for an object to say and tell, but it can't do it on its own, so it needs a person to do it. So, yeah. you know, um, these objects have come to life with the people that have written about them, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, we've got 63 chapters uh, and 50 authors, because some authors write more than one chapter. Mm-hmm. And people are ex- experts in some of the objects so we've got an e- Egyptologist for instance talking about what a photo what a sorry a tomb uh, carving that looks like it might be two men embracing what that is and what it means we've mm-hmm. got art historians talking about images of women together and what they signify for instance so you know people with particular interests can decode or um, invite us into the kind of debates around uh, what images mean in particular contexts and and what their relationship is to queer life if um, if any so yeah people have brought a really you know wide range of expertise to these things I love the historical things because uh, the real historical stuff because it can show how much uh, colonialism and the introduction of Christianity in societies changed societies especially yeah. within a queer context yeah, absolutely. So, so we've got you know, for, for instance, a reliquary, which is a, a a container in which saints' remains were were interred, and and thinking about what that uh, what that means in terms of, in this case, some fairly f- uh, gender fluid kind of saint called Eugenia. So, mm. so that's very very much in a Christian context. Also, all the Saint Sebastians, those images of the young man tied to a tree with arrows through him, which mm-hmm. have come, become a bit iconic in in queer popular culture, which have a long, long Christian history. So, mm-hmm. that's a couple of examples of religious objects which, yeah, weave their way into queer lives in quite interesting ways. Yeah, would piss the piss the powers that be probably off quite a bit um, but I also Hopefully. mean by that um, how like the introduction of Christianity kind of um, you know pushed down um, charism in, uh, in certain societies like um, you know it wasn't frowned upon within Maori cultures you know and, and other cultures until Christians came along yeah well absolutely I mean one of the one of the chapters that talks about that the most clearly is that by Pyro Warbrick who's mm. actually in Tetumu here at Otago and and Pyro was very interested in through looking at the flute that uh, that uh, Tutanakai uh, played uh, in, uh, in about the 1600 and thinking about that flute and the life of that flute over time and the way that missionaries and, and uh, the rise of Christianity in New Zealand as it influenced uh, larger and smaller Maori communities then actually started to change the views around sexuality in those communities and move them you know into a um, 
into a mode which was much more kind of governed by Christian norms. So mm. uh, that's a really lovely, uh, a very old object yeah. uh, written about by an Otago academic, which tells us a bit about that story. And a very important object too, very important. Um, what, what are some of the objects you enjoyed the most? There's the postcard that we think belonged to Oscar Wilde and was yeah. then uh, handed down the generations, which has got a couple of uh, nude young men on um, leopard skins and Roman columns and that kind of thing, kind of pointing up the Roman theme. So that's a really nice one. There's a chapter on uh, Radcliffe Hall, the famous lesbian English uh, author, and her partner, uh, Una Trowbridge, mm-hmm. Brent uh, Dashons. So there's a chapter <laughs> on their dogs, called <laughs> Queer Dogs, which is also really, really cool. And I didn't realise that, that there was a, um, a whole history of you know this writer and her dogs. And of course, there's a really, um, there's a really um, That's important. Um, kind of history around queer people and their pets too yeah. so that that starts to get to that kind of um, queer pet history which is rather nice yeah and that that's queer pet history has kind of turned into a bit of a stereotype in some ways in film and, and stuff you yeah know what I mean, you know? yeah you know, the little dog and the yeah absolutely i mean we had the book launch last night here in dunedin and uh, one of the comments from a lot of the women was oh my god you've got the dogs and they were quite excited and it was really kind of cool and and like you know that. pets and families and family life are, mm. um, are something that that really you know that really signifies quite well i think um one of the things i liked um one of the objects that really struck to me was uh, julie headley's discharge certificate being discharged yeah. from the australian military in the 1960s yes um, because she was outed yes yeah yeah so basically this was a certificate which uh recorded her being kicked out of the military for being a lesbian basically yeah and uh julie told her story to the author of that uh, of that chapter shirlene robinson so shirlene and julie sat down had a bit of a chat about what that meant in that time in julie's life and how it felt to be booted out of the um, of the army, basically, she was a Julie was a very proficient uh, member of the services. Mm. She was really good at her job, but when her sexuality became known about, um, out she went. So, and you know, 1960, reasonably recently, not yeah. as far back as we might we might think. So, it's a sad story. It ends on a on a real note of resilience from Julie, saying, you know, that was a period of my life, and I've gone on to have a good life after that. Mm. But, but also, you know, given the kind of shenanigans around the military in the US, particularly around transgender people serving, it's a it's a, an object with real contemporary resonance. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, we are going backwards in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, it's a, it shows so many different aspects, and one of the things that really comes up, uh, sadly, is protest, uh, yes. and that's something that has um, is a big part of, of queer life, is um, that fight for equality, um, and still is. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think the protest history has a real material culture to it, which brings mm. that you know brings that to life um, quite quite well. There's a photo in the introduction which my partner Geoffrey took in Adelaide at the Queer Pride Parade just a few years ago and that sort of speaks to that real kind of you know history of public presence and protest mm. which goes back into the 19, uh, 1960s and 70s and so there's a, again that sort of spirit of defiance I think comes through in the book where people are um, are standing up and speaking out against those institutions that would um, 
you know, would suppress their sexuality. So, um, you know, that's a, a really rich kind of seam of, of object history, mm. I think. Mm. Um, and those shots are, are incredible, as are um, all the shots. I mean, where did you find all all the photos? It must have been quite a difficult task the photo get all the work. Well, the photo research, photo research is a bit of a hobby of mine, so that was actually quite <laughs> The authors okay. provided quite a lot, but, yeah. but some authors didn't provide many, and so I actually wanted to make sure that we had a good spread of photos through the book, so I did quite a bit of extra photographic research. A few of them are stock images. Some of them mm. are images I had in my collection. Yeah. Um, others are images that I got from other people. Uh, there's a really cool shot of a of a gay disco in Sydney in 1992, which I found from the Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives, a, a, a photographer there who was photographing Sydney dance parties. Mm -hmm. So that was a really nice kind of body of images to draw on. There are a couple of my holiday snaps, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it takes to round it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not filler at all. No, 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 no. not even slightly. <laughs> um, and, and, and the the authors themselves, because I mean, it's a series of essays. Mm. Um, were all them? Do they all jump at the bit to be a part of this? Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some of them are. are academic colleagues of Judith, uh, the, my co-editor and myself, uh, mm -hmm. some in New Zealand, some overseas, a couple have been our students, our postgraduate students. Oh, that's awesome. Yep, which is really cool yep. to be able to showcase their work. The, the chapter on smartphone mm. is um, written by Simon Clay, who's finishing his PhD in Gender Studies right now, nice. so that's really nice that's to have amazing. Simon involved. And um, some of the others are people who just heard about the project and wrote to us uh, from overseas. Um, it wasn't hard to find the authors. There were some really interesting things. A lot of the lesbian women were interested in writing about gay men. That then meant that I did two chapters on lesbian women, so yeah, you got a yeah. nice gender-crossing thing going yeah. on, which is actually cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and you know, seeking people out to fill a few gaps. I really wanted something on the ancient world, so we worked quite hard to find the Egypt chapter. Yeah, that's and, fantastic. Um, and I thought we can't go without having something Roman, so I did something on the Warren Cup myself, which yeah. was really cool, which is a cup which has got a picture of two men fucking on it, well, on either side, actually. So, you know, you've got to have a bit of, um, you know, a bit of Greek and Roman in there somewhere, right? Yeah, well, exactly. You really, really do, and I'm glad you got that in, because I was expecting some Greek, but then you came up with the Roman, and I like that. <laughs> and then possibly the Roman is sort of maybe Greek. I mean, it's all very deliciously kind of um, And you can't not have Sappho, so yeah. I, I had a... a wonderful kind of few days reading about Sappho and did something on, on her on her work. So nice. Yeah. So it's been yeah, it was quite an adventure you know, working out what we needed and what we had and yeah. One that I guess is would be quite important, uh, is Peter Wells, um and perhaps the last uh, of his writing before he died. Yeah, so Peter was really keen to write about a locket which his grandfather or great grandfather had been given by a man who he rescued when the guy's balloon went down in a swamp <laughs> in Hawke's Bay. <laughs> and then his grandfather um, had this locket his entire, um, his entire life with mm -hmm. a picture of the other guy in it. So Peter's written this really, really beautiful essay about what it means to think about an heirloom. And for Peter as a young gay kid growing up and asking his, his mum about this and, and, you know, thinking about it, and it became a very treasured part of his own Possession. So mm -hmm. again, both a wonderfully personal piece by Peter that also thinks through um, 
what memory is and how memory works and how ancestry you know might be interpreted uh, by a queer kid and yeah it's a really really nice piece of writing yeah nice nice now um you had the launch last night which would have been amazing yes thanks did. for the invite uh, oh my god <laughs> Sorry, I'm just joking. Uh, but of course, uh, which would be fabulous. But of course, uh, everybody there would have told you that it was amazing and wonderful. Uh, have you had any response from the outside world um, to, to to the to the book? We have had quite a few booksellers in provincial New Zealand <laughs> refuse to stock it, mm. and I didn't mm. actually think it was that outrageous. But maybe I don't know. Maybe it is. I think maybe I don't think it is. Listeners should buy it and then judge for themselves. I don't think it is really, but it, it raises some interesting questions about, yeah. you know, the study of sexuality often happens without the study of sex in it. Yeah. And we, we don't want to do that now, mm. in this day and age, to keep the sex out of the study of sexuality. So, no. um, you know, for instance, we've got a chapter on a book by T. Corinne, who is an American, called The Cunt Colouring Book, which, as the launcher said last night, is actually, was a really key resource for young les lesbian women coming out to have a book of female genitalia that they could colour in and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, feel their way through and stuff. So some of these aspects of our of our queer lives are, are sexual, of course, and really interesting, but for small town New Zealand, maybe, wow. still oddly a little bit too much, perhaps. Well, you, you did mention Cromwell, and I um, had grew up in my teenage life there, and I, I for one, know, well, I don't know now, but they do did sell a lot of porno, pornography in that, uh, in, in that shop, so I don't understand why they, you know, this is not pornography, so if they can have that, why can't they have this? This is very deeply puzzling. Gore, apparently, has an interesting sex, sexual culture as well, but I don't know whether the box for sale there but um, it is really puzzling I wasn't expecting that yeah. to happen to be honest I thought we had moved we'd moved well beyond that and as you say I mean it's not pornography it's no. just a it's really a, 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 a mainstream part of the study of, of sexuality really I would hazard a guess it's you know uh, if you look outside of the bookshop into the wider communities of these small towns you'd get a different reaction I, um, I think so. To what you get from the from the sellers themselves. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I my impression is that, you know, New Zealand small town life is not, um, the, uh, wouldn't represent the kind of prudery, for want of a better word, yeah. that, you know, of that kind of response. Also some response to the title, Queer Objects, which is, again, interesting because I thought queer was just a word that we all sort of use now so mm. um, that even that is, is, is sort of puzzling I mean I don't know uh, is it some is it a new puritanism puritanism or is it the old puritanism or is it something else I'm I'm not quite sure but you maybe this is a new line of research for you you know <laughs> I hadn't thought of that but actually <laughs> you're probably right I mean I, oh, I, I, I do idea yeah, yeah I don't know but, but it is I mean it is really interesting thinking about where we are in New Zealand now I mean if you look at the 1970s and the publishing of Alistair Taylor for instance things like Down Under the Plum Trees which was published in 1976 which has got pictures of people having sex and pictures of genitals and stuff um, descriptions of sex and masturbation and group sex and all sorts of stuff. You know, this went out into New Zealand in 1976. Mm. Granted, it was banned, yeah. um, <laughs> but you know, it was sort of out there. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, but 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 you know, cultural uh, cultural shifts come and go, don't they? They do. They um, really but do. But that's the question, right? Are, you know, are we in a moment 
which I think none of us would have expected, or maybe we're overanalyzing it, I don't know. But it's a really interesting set of questions, I think. It is a really interesting set of questions, and um, I hope that I've inspired you to look into it. Yes. Um, <laughs> brilliant. So if, if we want to pick up a copy of this, don't go to um, Balclutha to get the book. You can just go across the road from, to the university bookshop. Go across the road to UBS. UBS yeah. are awesome. They were selling books at the, at the <coughs> launch last night. Yeah. They've got a big stack of them. Um, they've been selling really well there. They're really happy Marvelous. to. So I'd say, yeah, big, 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 giant size plug for UBS. If anyone isn't in Dunedin, go to the Otago University Press website and you can buy it directly from the publisher off their yeah. website. And if anyone's listening overseas, um, this is also getting printed by Manchester By Manchester University, University Press and Rutgers. It's available on Amazon, all the Amazons, Book Depository, Waterstones, Barnes yeah. & Noble, all of those big booksellers. It's, uh, it's available at all of them. Yeah, and of course UBS is doing a good job because they're owned by OUSA, which is also the uh, people that run Radio 191 FM. So yeah, ex- we're a yeah. great team. UBS first port of call. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, because um, we need the money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming in today, Chris. It's really great. I implore everybody to go out, um, go over there, give it a turn, you'll buy it. And you can take it home. I don't know if I get to keep this. I hope I do. I think you do. I think I do. I think you do. Brilliant, brilliant. It's going to sit on my coffee table at home. Uh, <laughs> so. with, thank you so much. Um, lovely to meet you. And um, thank you so much for making this. And I think it's a very important work. I think it's a marvellous work. And you've done, um, you and, and Judith, awesome. we must have mentioned Judith, yeah, have done yeah, very, yeah. very well. Um, so thank you so much once again. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.